Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting live 
you would go over the falls too. I said, yeah, but I just, I, I couldn't bear the thought of one of my children going over the falls by themselves. So I, I would go in anyway. The, the point of the story is that I believe that as a nation, then we're rapidly we're rapidly getting into that position. What I mean by that is uh, if we keep going along at the pace that we're going, uh, it's going to happen, and you won't know when it happens. It won't be as obvious as there being a big splash and you realizing that you're in ice-cold water that's traveling along at 15 to 20 miles an hour. It's going to happen, and you won't know it. But all of a sudden, this nation will be in the river, and there will be no place to get out. We'll be past the last exit. We'll be going over the falls. And and I guarantee you, even if, uh, if after all of the, uh, the chaos and destruction and everything else, even if after all that there's a better nation, I guarantee you, you're not going to like the trip, right? And uh, and there's a better way to fix it than that. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. First off, let's uh, let's take uh, the call. At the beginning of the show, we always like to take the calls from folks who uh, <clears throat> who want to. Uh, Thank their local crews, local the local uh, Appleseed Project crews, that uh, they're guys that have been working hard, or that uh, any of the folks that have shot the rifleman standards or passed uh, some of their uh, instructor progress checks, or maybe they've just gotten a new red hat, or maybe they've been certified to uh, to shoot boss events, or maybe they've just been doing a dang good job of promotions, or. Uh, uh, or administrative work, any of that, then we'd like you to call in 347 308 347 And thanks to him on the air. I told you many times before that at Appleseed, we are absolutely fantastic at, uh, at riding our folks down into the dirt, and we are much less fantastic at telling the folks how much we appreciate them. Because Appleseed has a mission, and it's a very uh, dire mission. Then It's different than a, than a social organization, right? It's different than a, an organization where folks just get together to, to have fun and hang out with each other and stuff like that. We're, we're doing that. That's a side effect of being in a program. But that's not the goal. The goal is to actually do everything within our power in order to save our nation. And and I I keep talking to you about the fact that I I don't know where we are in this in in this project. Not just in the Appleseed project. I mean, I don't know where we are in in the nation. I don't know at what what stage we're at we're we're floundering right on the precipice you know we're in that little area that little that the event horizon on the black hole where 
it, it can go either way, and I don't know where we are on that. So I don't know how much time. Maybe we've got to 10 years. Uh, maybe that's 20 years. Maybe it's never going to happen. Maybe we're just going to keep on trucking along in this sorry fashion that, we are, that we've been doing, and nothing's ever going to happen. But, you know, I, I just don't see that. I cannot see that happening. Uh, if you have half a brain, and I doubt it would even take that much, then I think that you can see, and even more importantly, I think a lot of people are beginning to sense that that we are in dire straits, and and we're rushing along at this thing. I, I told you before that I feel like we're we're in that old pickup truck flying down a dirt road beside the train tracks trying to get across the crossing before the train smacks us. And I don't know. Are we going to make it? I don't know. No, I really don't. I, I, I have I have sworn an oath to not give up and uh, and and give in but that doesn't mean that I, that I that I know for sure that we're going to be successful because I don't. I don't think anybody does. But the alternative is to is to give up, to surrender. And you guys have heard me say this too: that nobody, no one has ever snatched victory from the jaws of defeat by giving up. Right kind of destroys the whole premise. You have to be fighting to the very end, to the last breath, to the last man in order to to turn the tide of battle in your favor, to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. So you can't give up. But but you you can't tell where you're at, either. So the Appleseed mission is is a pretty important one, and because it is so important, uh, we 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 really put the whip to folks, and and uh, and sometimes it saddens me. Uh, and sometimes it makes me very proud because most of the folks really, really take this responsibility and they really go to the mat for us, the front program. <clears throat> that being said, there's no reason that we can't tell folks things. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to pick up the phone, call into one of the 50 phone lines that I uh, rented, and uh, tell me about one of your local crews that's doing a great job. One of the guys that... Uh, that you can't survive without, but doing a good job in promo, that's uh, running a majority of the shoots for you. Uh, call and tell me how the program is going in your state. Uh, and we also, uh, if you want to call in and tell us about a commercial venture you've got going, uh, we allow that too. Uh, we've got the uh, the intro music, which is uh, Poker Face, a revolution rock uh, band that... Uh, and there are a bunch of great guys, and uh, they provided the music for our intro. You can go to PokerFace.com if you want to listen to more of the music, and if you want to purchase some of the music. Uh, they 
certainly have their own beliefs about a lot of things, and uh, that's the way it should be. Everybody should be able to have their own beliefs about things. And uh, we've got uh, Desert Eagle Farms that uh, supply long-term food. If you want to get some long-term food, you can talk to Jimmy at Desert Eagle Farms. And you should have enough food to be able to ensure that uh, you're making it through a situation rather than you guys all sitting around hungry wondering when are the trucks going to start delivering to HEB again. Because they may not. They may not ever come back to HEB. So you better have something, some some source of food that's going to allow you to transition from a three times a week at the store shopper to a person that is providing for their own needs, right? That has some way to transition. The only way you're going to do that is by having a a uh, backup plan of having food that uh, that you can store for a long time and you can use and you can eat when you need it, right? There are many reasons to do this. I'm not going to go go through them all right now, but there are many reasons to do this. And Jimmy at Desert Eagle Farms will be glad to help you out by uh, setting up your plan for you to purchase food, uh, for you to pay for it, etc. Uh, Jimmy also is a uh, dealer for the uh, Mill Dot Master which is a great little piece of low-tech uh, equipment. It's a, a little uh, like a 4 by 8 uh, 5 by 8 slide rule type uh, book. It will allow you to estimate very accurately distance. And uh, a lot of data on there, and, in the, and it's a, uh, includes uh, techniques and data for you to make your uphill and downhill shots, right? Got like a little hole in the corner, and uh, you can hang a... Uh, a string from the corner, and uh, you can use it by moving the uh, the four by six uh, the little rectangle by moving it until you have uh, uh, until you have the slope. You have a uh, uh, an accurate depiction of the slope, and we'll give you the data for your uphill or downhill shots. <clears throat> uh, we've got uh, Thomas Clock and Blue Feather. Which uh, they run uh, blue feather soap, uh, handmade soap, and uh, they do a lot of great handmade soaps and oils and stuff like that. And uh, which, uh, if you met Thomas Clock and Blue Feather, I'm not sure that you yeah, would immediately uh, come to mind. There, there are a couple of uh, uh, of really uh, very educated, very intelligent folks. Uh, and uh, uh, attorneys and businessmen and uh, uh, man and woman, and uh, and very, uh, they're fantastic instructors, and just the salt of the other folks that are out in New Mexico. And yet, they're in their garage, they have a passion for making handmade soap, and uh, they do it along with everything else they do, they do it to the best of their ability. And they produce a fantastic product at an absolutely affordable price, all right? Blue Feather Soap, uh, and if you want to talk to uh, uh, if you want to talk to us about any commercial ventures you have, please call in. All right, and we'll be glad to get you on the air. Three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. So let's check out uh, a couple of calls right now. I got my call screener is uh, is held up, uh, and I'm just going to be taking pulling folks on the air live. Area code seven six zero. You're on the air. Area code 760-500, 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 you're on the air. 
All right. Well, you don't have to come on. You don't have to talk. Uh, if you don't want to, don't hang up. I'm not going to make you talk. All right. Uh, area code four one two. You're on the air. Uh, hi, Scout. Hey, who's this? Oh, uh, well, this is Adela. Right. I wasn't actually planning on talking. I'm just running to the store. Oh yeah. Well, that'll teach you. Yeah, well, it happens. <laughs> well, since I got you on the phone, uh, give me a quick rundown of your area, and uh, and then let me know if you got anybody you want to say thanks to. I won't keep you long, but just give me a real quick uh, rundown uh, of your area of operations, and uh, so again, give a quick thanks out to uh, one of your local crew. Well, you know, um, I'm I'm here in western Pennsylvania. It's uh, sort of a dead zone for Appleseed, unfortunately. I tend to work a lot with the Ohio crew, um, although this coming weekend I'm going to an IBC in Elverson, uh, PA, way out in eastern PA. So um, it, we at least seem to start the, uh, started getting a, um, a start. we're starting to get a crew together in western PA at least. So um, hopefully we're going to change this from being a dead zone and we'll, the, it's uh, hard to get started sometimes, especially, you know, every area has its own little special perks, and nothing is the same anywhere else. You can't say one thing works for one place and, and it'll work for every place. Every single place is different, and I know that you Pennsylvania folks are just almost as hard-headed as the Maine folks, and uh, and uh, although, you know what, I love driving through Pennsylvania. I go through there every year. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. I go through uh, uh, the western uh, tip along the lake, and uh, mm-hmm. it's absolutely gorgeous there. Who's teaching your IBC? Uh, what? Do you know who's teaching the IBC for you guys? Well, Kaden is the shoot boss. Um, uh, I'm going to mess up his forum name. Um, it's like four letters, and then Frank um, is also running it along with Chainsaw. Okay. Tell the guys I said hey. Yeah, tell Kate okay. that uh, I said hey. And uh, and thanks. I'll, I'm not going to hang up on you. I'll just, uh, okay. unless you got, you got anything else, you're welcome to say it. Oh, no, I'm good. Thanks. All right. Well, I'll just, uh, I'm going to just uh, close your mic, and uh, and I'm watching on the chat now. i got the chat to finally open. So, any of you guys want to talk again, uh, if you want to come back on, just uh, put it in the chat, and I'll put you back on, okay? All right. Thank you, Ed. No problem. All right. Uh, we've got uh, area code 703. You're on the air. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, who's this? This is uh Mosin guy from the forum. Okay, run that run that by me again. Mosin guy. Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. Mosin. Okay. Hey. I got it now. I'm slow, but uh, but I got it. Welcome to the show, Mosin. Uh, what do you got for us? So, it it I I I listen to the the show, and it seems like you're talking about the end of the world. And uh, you mean like? Uh, I'm not talking about the end of the world. I'm talking about possibly, and I'm not saying for sure because if you listen to the intro, I said that uh, maybe nothing will happen. Maybe nothing is going to happen. Maybe we're just going to keep on 
uh, trudging along just like we are. But i got to say, I, I don't feel like we can keep doing it. If you look at the stuff that's going on in our nation right now, I don't see how there's no way we can continue what we're doing. And I'm not talking about uh, aliens or uh, government troops cracking down or anything like that. I'm talking about just the way that we're handling ourselves, especially financially and stuff like that. And any time anytime a, a nation uh, does a crash and burn, things get very, very, very ugly. And a lot of times things change in ways that, we never intended, and and they're not always good. They're usually not good, as a matter of fact. But I don't believe that there's an end of the world coming. Uh, is that what you were? Is okay, that what you thought I was saying? Well, perhaps that was uh, uh, an exaggeration. But uh, let me let me ask you this: If things continue the way they are, how long are they sustainable? Is they can to me, I'm looking at it. I think if things continue the way, just exactly the way they are, I don't know, Mosin. I, I would think it'd be hard to see for it to go another five or six years. I don't see how we can do it. I mean, uh, at, at least financially, you know, because the uh, the We've amount of money our nation is spending for an awfully long time. What's that? We've we've been riding down this financial road for an awfully long time. Yes, but just because we've been doing it for a long time doesn't mean we can keep doing it. Sure. I have have people telling me that uh, uh, I have had a friend one time that used to drink uh, and drive, and I would tell him, he looks, and I said, you're going to get in trouble doing it. He goes, hey, nothing's happened to me so far. Uh, So... Just because something hasn't happened doesn't mean it isn't going to happen. And you're right, we've been traveling down this road a long time, but we have not been traveling down the road at the speed that we're traveling now. Uh, We're traveling at an unsustainable speed. And uh, uh, I was looking at uh, the graphs, at the charts, uh, at least financially, that uh, in a short period of time, less than eight years, the the interest on what we owe is going to climb past uh, 200% of our uh, gross domestic product. That's just the interest of, on what we owe, 200% of the gross domestic. Uh, so I don't know. I, it's, if it's not the end of the world as we know it, I'm not saying the end of the world. The world will last forever. There's nothing we can do uh, other than an act of God that's going to destroy the world. But the world that we know uh, is certainly headed at a breakneck speed towards some type of correction. What do you see as the impact to an average American during that correction? Well, uh, uh, I, I would think that uh, that it is that going down the going at the speed we're going now without any type of uh, of change, I see it as becoming very uh, close uh, uh, and and even worse 
than the uh, the Great Depression that America suffered through during the 30s. And we don't have to wonder what something like that is like because we have many current examples of that. Uh, we've got uh, the latest one in uh, Argentina. We've got Greece now going through the same thing. But uh, we saw what happened in Argentina. You can't say that the modern nations cannot fail because they fail all the time, even large ones. And the results are catastrophic. And not only that, but in a nation like the United States, when we have a failure, it just as happened during the Great Depression. And a lot of people don't realize this. They think that the Great Depression occurred in America and only affected America. When America goes down, we zip out everybody else. Uh, we zip out all the other nations with us. We don't destroy just destroy America. We destroy everybody else. And listen, there are going to be uh, many billions of really pissed people when we destroy their economies. So what do you see as the impact to the average American? The impact to the average American? Well, it's yeah. going to be, it'll be no, uh, no money, no food. Uh, there will be uh, extremely hard times. Uh, you're not, there's not going to be work for most folks. Uh, then the bank is not going to care whether, whether you can't find a job, there's a depression or not. They're going to do just like they did back in the 30s. They're going to come and take your stuff and throw you out on the street. Uh, it's going to take a long time to find a way back out of something like that. So uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking, but... Do you see martial law being enacted? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not on a a national scale, uh, which I believe it would be, then uh, I can see it happening certainly uh, on a, a state and local scale because there's no other way to control it. You know, during the 30s, the uh, the troops, federal troops had to be brought in to stop rioting. And, uh, and in the 30s, we were a much more polite nation. We were much more polite as human beings to each other. We're not that way anymore, not only that, but there are many, many more millions of us. And uh, and you can see uh, you can see what happens when the lights go out uh, in a major city just for three days. They rip the city to pieces. They gut it. And, uh, don't, don't think it's going to be any less uh, if it happens on a national scale. Many more of us are much better armed than we were in the 30s. Listen, they were pretty they were pretty well armed in the 30s. It's not a fact of being armed or unarmed. Although it's better to be armed, it it is uh, it, and it's not a function of having a firearm. It's if in a case like that, it's a function of how well are you prepared uh to negotiate and interruption of services. How well are you prepared to take care of yourself financially, and uh, uh, and how you know how much food do you have, uh, or have access to? Uh, how are you prepared uh, as far as uh, being able to take care of each other and then your neighbors and stuff like that? And like you say, be able to defend what you have if need be. Uh, 
Uh, what we saw in Argentina, and you can Google the Argentina collapse, and you can see what happened there. And it was, it was ugly, and uh, and it's not like what you it didn't happen the way that you would think that it would happen. The, the people that, that made it through it, stuff like that. It's not, it, it's not like what you would consider it to be. But it's still a very, uh, I think, a very comparable situation, and you can learn a lot by reading about it. Google the Argentinian collapse, and uh, and then read about uh, the the way that they negotiated the the failure of their country economically. And uh, there's several good books out on it uh, uh, that would give you kind of an understanding about it. Having you know, I tell a lot of folks all the time. They say uh, when I ask them what their what their plan is as far as uh, their plans to safeguard their own their self and their homes, and and a lot of folks tell me they say, well, I got my gun and stuff, and I'd say, well, that's good, except that uh, that here is let me put it this way. Uh, I'm over. I'm 50 years old, and uh, I've been in probably, I'm just going to talk about civilian, I've probably been in uh, maybe four civilian gunfights, right? And yet, I had to eat and drink every single day of my life for those 50 years. So which one is going to be more important? And it turns out that it's food and water. Uh, Water especially, because... uh, you, know, you can go 30 days if need be. I'm sure it'd be excruciating without food. You can only go a few days without water before you turn into a zombie and die. So the food and water situation is going to be the most uh, the, the the most important one. And then after that, like you're talking about, after that comes making sure that you can keep the food and water. And uh, and I. I I, I, I'm i not going to try to make any prediction or prophecies because I can't do that. I don't have any way of knowing other than probability. Looking at the way things have gone for different other countries, comparing it to what we're doing, and then seeing not a whole lot of good outcomes, only uh, only uh, some really bad ones. And, uh, and I don't want to go through that. You know, maybe if I was a young man, uh, in my, I'd have to be really young because you got to be really stupid uh, to want to okay. do something like this. You know what I mean? You got to be stupid to want to to to, to consider an adventure, something like the collapse of your country is an adventure. Kind of like uh, if you're 16, you go, hey, I want to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel, and uh, because you don't know any better. And then you get to be 45 or 50, and they say, hey, you want to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel? And you go, what the hell's wrong with you? Uh, and I've got kids. And there is no way that I want to do anything like that. Yeah, you know what? I've got bug out bags for my kids. But I tell you what, my worst nightmare in the world is thinking about actually putting the bug out bags on their backs. And uh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go through it. And What do you see as I, a valuable currency when reserve notes are no longer no longer have any value? Well, once again, I can't really. Uh, it's gonna be hard for me to. to but I can give you some guesses, uh, and it's because I read. 
I read the book about Argentina and stuff like that. And money, hard money itself is it's good, and you want to have some. Uh, and uh, and the paper money, I don't know. It would depend on on the type and the the the, the fashion of the collapse. Uh, hard money coinage, yeah, that's probably good. The the better thing though is going to be goods. Now it. Your the country in Argentina, uh, Argentina didn't turn into a. It wasn't all of a sudden a barter country. Uh, there was still plenty of uh, of business done by money, because money can be whatever you want it to be. Uh, it can have whatever value you the people decide it has. Now I, I think uh, it's, it would be much easier to to have silver than gold because it's hard if you're it's hard for you to, to go around making, uh, you know, $5,000 purchases because that's what one gold coin is. Uh, better to have silver, but better, even better than that, are goods that you can have. You know, one of the things that uh, that they mentioned uh, during the Arcosini collapse was lighters, Bic lighters. The Bic lighters were as valuable as a, a nice, crisp $20 bill. Because you know, I read the same thing about a guy in uh, Bosnia. He said about the same thing. If if he had to store currency, he would buy big lighters. Exactly. Listen, every time I go to the dollar store, I pick up the. Uh, I believe it's. I believe it's either ten or twelve lighters for a dollar, uh, and uh, every time I go. I buy, I've got uh, like $10 that I have budgeted myself for at the dollar store. A portion of it goes to the lighters, another portion goes to Band-Aids, and then another portion goes to uh, toothpaste and uh, uh, feminine hygiene products. And uh, because I can buy 50, uh, or maybe it's 48, it's 48 feminine hygiene pads, for three dollars and fifty cents, and the same number of uh, of the uh, the single uh, like uh, five by five or four by four bandages uh, would cost me about twenty five dollars. And the feminine hygiene pads can be used as uh, uh, to dress wounds or for what they were intended for, because. Just because there's no money doesn't mean people stop needing stuff. They still got to have the same things. Uh, they got to have a lighter because if you don't have uh, natural gas or electricity or anything like that, and if you don't have a store anymore because the stores have no goods to sell, how are you going to start your fires? How are you going to cook something? Well, you got to have some way to start a fire, and that means you got to have a lighter to start a fire. So the lighters were like gold. Uh, and there were even people that uh, that started up businesses uh, of making methane and propane and filling, refilling the lighters for a charge. So uh, as far as currency, uh, I'm sure that there will still be some type of a hard cash currency. And then, uh, and then there will be a lot of other things that have to take the place of it. Uh, if you have room for a garden... Which only takes like a you know a, a ten by ten foot uh, section, uh, and you grow enough food for yourself to eat, and you grow uh, you know an extra uh, five dozen tomatoes. 
then there is your that's what your cash is going to be for that week, you know. So, and this is something you should think about now because, like I said, uh, the the I can buy the lighters now for nothing. Uh, if something happens, there the, there is no way to buy them at all. You and mentioned uh, ten by ten garden. Uh, a book that I can recommend heartily is called The Square Foot Garden. And right. Yeah. You've heard of it? Exactly. Oh, yeah, I've read it. Uh, I believe I read that book. It's been out for a while. I believe I read it 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, he he released the new version, and it's a good book. It's a fantastic book, and, yeah, you should be, even if you don't feel like reading it, you should have a copy because at some point you're going to need to read it because uh, one of the things that I tell folks whenever they're uh, when they're prepping is, you have to have enough food, uh, store long-term storage food, in whatever whatever way you decide to get it. But you have to have enough food to service you from the interruption of services until your first crops start coming in. That's the only thing that's going to that's going to change is whenever the food that you planted starts growing. And uh, I don't care if you're even in the city. Uh, if you if you if you're in the city and you guys uh, uh, steal a bunch of dirt from a vacant lot and you put it on the rooftop and then you uh, you you relieve yourself in five gallon buckets and let it dry and mix it with the dirt and uh, you know and you make some type of a viable soil and you start growing stuff for you to eat uh, something something like that has to happen in order for you to continue living. That's just that's the way it is. that's the way it's gonna be. And uh, I'm not like I said, I'm not trying to prophesy any kind of doom because I think that we can change this. I think that we can fix this and that's what the show is about tonight is about taking five minutes, only five minutes uh per day right now to to make a huge, to have a huge effect uh, in the outcome of the future. So that's that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. That's what we're going to be uh, going to be working on. Did you have anybody you wanted to uh, to say hey to or thank or anything like that? Uh, I came into the program through Annapolis, and well, actually, uh, a friend of mine took me down to Ramsour. And I, I brought my Mosin, and I could not qualify with it. And that has continued to be my goal. I I, I did end up qualifying at Annapolis, but I, I continue to try to qualify with my Mosin. Um, well, you know, yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Now, I'll tell you that it's going to take you a while doing it. But uh, the other thing I'll tell you is that... Uh, that if you wait until you go to the range uh, to get your practice, then it may take you years to do it. Uh, the only way you're going to do it is by practicing at home, practicing your dry firing, and then also practicing your reloads, uh, practicing having every you know having everything ready to make those stripper clip reloads work for you and uh, and the Mosin is a it's a hard Rifle to uh, 
to shoot to rifleman standards on. But I'll tell you another thing, too. Just like I tell folks that uh, qualify with their SKS, uh, is that uh, if you can do it with your Mosin and you can do it with your SKS, then guess what? I can hand you just about any rifle after that, and you can do it. You'll be able to shoot your rifleman standards with just about any rifle after you do that. If you can teach yourself to do it on an SKS or with a Mosin, you can shoot it uh, very easily with uh, with any other rifle. So make sure that you're spending a, uh, a majority of your time dry firing at your home, you know, rehearsing at your home, so that you're not having to wait until you go to the range to get your practice in. The range time should be the uh, – that should be what you use to check your progress. Right. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be where you, you – yeah, you shouldn't be where you try and teach yourself what you're doing. You should be getting down every night and uh, at least for five minutes and running through what you're going to do uh, when you're shooting your Mosin, making sure that uh, when you hit that, uh, when you're in that prone position, that you have a rock-solid prone position, that you are able to uh, get the, uh, the uh, correct sight alignment and sight picture very quickly once you've gotten your your uh, your prone position, and that you're able to work that bolt, uh, which means you're going to break your position every single time, but you're able to work that bolt and come back to the correct natural point of aim after each round is fired. And you have a pretty hefty recoil with that, too. So you're going to have to make sure that you have a good, solid prone position and that you have your uh, uh, trigger leg pulled up as tight as you can up underneath you in order to uh, uh, absorb the recoil from that rifle. Yeah, reacquiring uh, your your NPOA is the hardest part of shooting a bolt rifle, uh, especially a big-ass one like the Mosin. One of the things that I just recently read was corking the barrel of a Mosin. And it basically involves pulling off the uh, the barrel bands and loosening up the action screws and putting a piece of couple, a couple pieces of cork underneath the barrel. And based on the uh, the website that I saw, it, it dropped it from a four MOA to about a two MOA. Well, there you go. Well, listen, Mosin, I want to thank you for calling in. I've got uh, I've got one of your neighbors uh, on the on the uh, queue here, old guy from Maine, and I want to get him on for you before uh, he gets tired of. So I'm going to bring him on, and uh, thank you for calling in. And I'm not going to hang up. If you want to keep listening by phone, uh, I'll, you can keep listening, and uh, I'm going to bring uh, the old guy on. So thank you for All right, calling you have a in. Good one. All right, thank you, sir. Bye-bye. See ya. All right. Uh, we got the uh, old guide from Maine. Welcome to the show, old guide. Good evening. We have an event up here every February called the Frozen Mosin. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Make sure you invite the uh, Mosin guy. In the absolute world's worst weather, driving wind, blowing snow, and fire 200 yards with the Mosins. Well, that that sounds like something something I would really like to try 
if I was twenty years long, younger. <laughs> we had a we had a uh, we had a guy up here who shoots the most left-handed and shot riflemen stage by stage. No kidding. Well, listen, yeah. you can do it. You can yes. do it with a bolt gun. Uh, I've yeah. done it with a bolt gun. Uh, it was a uh, it wasn't a centerfire. It was a yeah. uh, bolt action uh, twenty two magnum, but it was tube yeah. fed, and it was a bolt gun, but it had a really slick action. Now, uh, Wildman in Ramsar can consistently shoot to, to rifleman standards uh, with his. Uh, 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 with his bolt gun, his .30-06 bolt gun, so it, it can be done. Uh, it's just not easy. And like I was telling him, if he can, if he gets to where he can shoot consistently, shoot the uh, his Mosin for rifleman standards, then yep. you can hand you can hand him just about any other rifle, and uh, and that would that would be a breeze to shoot the rifleman standards. Yep. Well, I'll tell you, what's going on up here in Maine? Uh, we had a shoot two weeks ago in New England at a prep school. He's That's well, right. Parents. I was reading about that. Tell me about that. There, well, we had uh, we had twelve young shooters from a prep school. Their parents wanted them to learn to shoot to shoot a rifle accurately. And, and that surprised are, me when I when I read that old guy because I was thinking, in my mind, it was hard for me to put together prep school and yep. the, the parents, uh, you know, wanting to uh, voluntarily get their kids to go and shoot. Because when you think about prep school, you think about uh, you think about a, a little more of a, a liberal anti-firearm yep. uh, leaning. So, well, so tell us about here's, it. Here's the way I, I present the idea. It wasn't my idea to do this shoot. I, I was there, and we had three red hats from three different states with 14 loaners, and we got it done. That was quite, that's quite something right there. But Absolutely. The week before that, I gave a library seat, essentially, to 47 homeschoolers in a, in, in a church in Maine. They put out the word, now I'm going to go address the homeschool convention in Maine. Next week. Wow. So that's good. That's really opening a door. Well, that is that is more what the show is about tonight, old God, and that is are yep. one of the. I'll tell you what the main problem that uh, that our nation faces and that Appleseed faces is is the folks. Is people being ignorant of the position we're in, yep. and then folks being uh, not knowing about Appleseed, because the main problem of Appleseed right now is getting the word out to enough folks yep. uh, in order for us to have our lines filled at each event. And the reason yep. we need them filled at each event is not for the money. Although you know, if we have, if we can manage to make enough money to keep the program going, then yeah, that's we we have to do that too. Yes. But the problem is that we have to have more instructors. We've got to have more instructors because in order to have more events, 
and more people to uh, hear about the program, we've got to get the word out to more people to attend. Once we, once we get enough people to attend, then we'll have a greater number of folks uh, that we can draw instructors from because right now uh, we are we're working our instructor core down into the dirt uh, and and we're kind of like in a race between between trying to get enough folks to attend so that we can get them some help and then and having them eventually burn out having our instructor core eventually burn out from yep. Uh, having too few folks doing too many shoots. Well, I've got, I've got this, uh, I've got this convention. My wife and I. My wife is, uh, is North Country lady. She's, uh, she schedules instructors, coast to coast. She's one of the few schedulers we have. And we're going up to this convention next week, and the week after that we're at Monmouth, Maine. Then we're going over to Pork Fest in New Hampshire. That's the Porcupine Festival in Dalton. We've got a busy schedule. You know, I'm, I'm going to get my 12 in this year, that's for sure. <laughs> and, and, well, uh, I'm well on the way. <laughs> and that's, I mean, 12 shoots, the library seeds and whatnot are, are extra. But uh, right. the first one I did, first library seed I did was six people. Then I did one at a hospital. For five people, the one we've got going next week is going to be hundreds of people. So that's, I'm hopeful it's going to get something going in Northern Maine out of that. Well, you've got uh, you've got the right idea, and the Appleseed project has always been about the message. It's never been about the money. It's never been about uh, uh, about uh, shooting, I mean, it is. It is, uh, and when I say that, it's, it's like a contradiction in in theory and philosophy because the Appleseed is a shooting program, and it's the absolute best shooting program in the United States today, the absolute best bar none. Yep. There is no one that does what we do. There is no one that does, uh, that teaches uh, and gets the word out to Americans on rifle safety and rifle marksmanship uh, even close to the absolutely fantastic job that uh, the Appleseed Project does. But but here's the other point, is that the Appleseed Project uh, has never been about the shooting. It's always been about the message, getting the message right. out to folks. And here's how... You could do that. You could you could put the message out by teaching baseball or 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 knitting or you know whatever. It could be anything. But Americans have a a heritage. They have a culture uh, that contains rifle marksmanship in it. And if we can marry the two, then that's an absolutely great thing to do. And also by the fact that it just so happens that most of the people who who can hear the message, or that the message will resonate in their hearts, are also American firearm owners. So we're able to do two things at once. We're able to give folks a rock-solid foundation in rifle safety. We're able to teach them the absolutely best course of the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship, 
and at the same time to do our main mission, which is to get the message out. That being said, if you can get a library seat going and you can get 25 people to go to the library seat, then you have just accomplished the same goals that are set for uh, an Appleseed Rifle Marketship Weekend, minus the fundamentals of uh, rifle marketing. But the way I approach it, it, you know, the local fishing game club or sportsman's club is a good place because you've got people who are already already oriented towards shooting. But when I speak to somebody who has no familiarity with firearms, one of the shooters, two of the shooters we had at the uh, prep school, Appleseed, had never touched a firearm in their entire lives prior to that day. Never touched one. And when they realized that they could hit what they were aiming at, they were just delighted. But here's how I approach it with their parents and people like that. I tell them that being able to handle a firearm safely is a life skill, like learning to swim. It's a big, If you come upon the scene of a motor vehicle accident and there's a firearm laying in the road, you ought to be able to know how to deal with that situation safely. And they think about right. that and they say, yeah, that's right. Well, that's absolutely right, and uh, the uh, the prospect of uh, getting a couple of hundred kids together at a homeschooling program and getting the message out to them is fantastic. And their parents. It's not just the kids. It's it's the whole family going to get this thing. Right. And I'll tell you another thing, too, is that... uh, I can guarantee you that there are going to be uh, there are going to be folks who come to the library seat and listen to the the information put out, and they're going to say, you know what, this is good, and we want more, and we want the rifle instruction too, and they're going to end up coming to the uh, to the apple seat. They're going to end up coming yep. to the event. Well, we have a candidate for the Maine legislature. Uh, middle-aged lady laying in the rain and the sleet on April 19th weekend. No kidding. That's right. We did. And she was, she'd never fired before. Well, you know, anytime you have uh, any of the, uh, the local politicians out that, uh, if you want to, if you want to, uh, Give me their contact information. I'll be glad to give them a call and see about getting them on the air. As you know, uh, I'm sure you handle it uh, correctly, uh, Appleseed is a not-for-profit organization, which means we can't endorse any uh, political uh, candidate or anything, but it nope. does not keep us from bringing them on the air and letting them talk. We just can't endorse well, them. You, well, know, we can have, you, can, you can have any candidates out in an event that you want, and you can let them talk. You just can't well, endorse them. Didn't. It, it did not come up. In fact, out of the we filled the line that day, and out of that full line, there were probably only three or four shooters that knew that she was a candidate because they happened to know her from the area. If we didn't promote that and bring it up that way, and that's not what we're about, and she knew that. But she just wanted to experience it and to and to be able to to connect with the heritage. That was her. That was her motivation. Right. So, what's going on in Maine? We've got uh, 
And one thing I gotta I gotta toot somebody's horn. We got Tom in Connecticut. Now he's he's three he's three states away from us. He's gotta go through Massachusetts and New Hampshire to get to Maine. And he comes up here and he shoot bosses most of our shoots. I've got a red hat. I'll become shoot boss this year and take some of the pressure off Tom, but he's done a great job up here for three years. And uh, who else? Who else there in Maine uh, is working with you there? Uh, well, it's, it's just Tom. We've only got two red hats in Maine. One is Sean O, and he's older than Bert. <laughs> <laughs> And he doesn't want to. He does not want to. Uh, he doesn't want to shoot boss, and he doesn't want to travel. He's close to our home range, which is Columbia, Maine, and he comes to all the Columbia shoots. He goes to church on Sunday morning, and uh, great guy. He's the one that got me started. But we do not have a shoot boss residing in the state of Maine. Listen, you got you got to make sure that you are laying it on hard and heavy at yep. your main events to try and recruit yep. some of your uh, fellow uh, nor'easters because uh, you need some help. I know that you're that right now you're doing uh, your dozen plus, but you got to get somebody to help you because uh, even though you're a uh, a young healthy man. Uh, I was born before World War II. Yeah, that's what I said. A young, okay. healthy man. That uh, I'm younger than Sean. You still need somebody. You need to be mentoring somebody so that they can take it from yep. you, and you can just uh, you can just kind of uh, manage uh, these guys as they go about yep. their jobs. And uh, and uh, if there's any way that I can help you with that, please let me know. But make sure well, that you're laying it laying it on thick at the uh, at the events that that you need some folks to help you get the message out. Well, I was at an IBC with K Dan, and we hit it off really well. So he's he's on it. Well, well, good. Uh, what's the weather like uh, right now? You guys got plenty of mosquitoes. Yes, well, mosquitoes are starting to come out. We got uh, we had about 65, 68 degrees today. Sunshine, beautiful day. Wow. Well, and you know we we advertise soap on here, one thing or another. I am the Northern Maine land man. I sell land. That's okay. what I do for a living. How's it and going there? How's the how is uh, how are land sales going? Well, I'll tell you what people want today and I wish I had a dozen of them, is a home on 25 acres or more with good water and some open ground to garden and some wood for firewood. In other words, people are looking for a place to hunker down and ride it out. And I had a guy call me up four years ago and said, I want to buy a bug out destination. And I was unfamiliar with the term. And he said, I want to buy a piece of property where I can build a home, cut some firewood, have a garden, walk to a nearby lake on a dead-end road. I said, yep, I've got that. He came out. Turns out he was the, he's the chief forecasting 
economist for an international bank in Boston. And he said, where I live today may not be safe for my family in the future. I won't have a place to go. This was four years ago. Right. Well, people have been been seeing this coming for, uh, well, there was a shift. There was a shift in philosophy. You know, uh, I'm sure you remember quite well uh, the 60s, the 50s and 60s, where uh, I still remember uh, once a week, especially during like the Cuban Missile Crisis and stuff like that, the once a week drills of uh, getting under your desk, facing away from the window, covering your eyes. Uh, Yep. And uh, it was, it, it was, we were certain, we were certain there was going to be a nuclear holocaust and we were preparing for it. And so there was a, a, you know, a, a huge movement to prepare for that. You know, there were tens of thousands of bunkers and fallout shelters and everything built. And it's kind of, you know, we made it through that, luckily. And I'm, and I'm hoping we'll make it through our current situation. Yeah. But i got to tell you, uh, you know, just like when I was talking to uh, Mosin, that, uh, that this is just as deadly, potentially deadly situation as as catching uh you know two or three thousand yep. nukes. Uh your your situation that we face you, now. You probably uh, are aware of a guy called Furful from Argentina. That's yeah, the that's the guy you're talking about. Furful? Yep, uh-huh. Okay, you know yep, where he you is today? Him, you can get the uh you can get the uh you can buy the book, and you can read a lot of it online. And he's on a couple of uh, uh, he's on a couple of uh, forums and stuff like that. And you can uh, you can read the read the stuff uh, uh, online. You can see what happens to a yep. nation when they get into the position that we've gotten into. You, you know where he is today? What's that? You know where he is today? Where? Burful is in Northern Ireland today. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's living in Ireland now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I just had a guy from Ireland out uh, at the Appleseed uh, this last weekend. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was saying the conditions in Ireland had gotten a lot better, you know, a lot more jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that... Uh, uh, and I can't remember one of the reasons he had a couple, he had some, a couple of reasons that he wasn't in America. And I can't remember what it what they were now, but uh, there was some reason something was I think preventing him from being here. But uh, but he was certainly uh, they will certainly tell you that uh, they never they never thought that something like that was going to happen to them. Every time something horrible has happened to a nation, you can ask the people only a few short years before they were saying nothing like that could ever happen here. Hell, look at uh, look at World War Two. Look at Germany. Uh, Sorry, the people in 1936 or 1937. Even though Hitler was already in the rise of power then, uh, if you would have asked them then, do you think that in a few years that uh, that your country 
will be under a dictatorship and you will live your lives under the thumb of the Gestapo, that uh, people, that millions of people will be kidnapped and killed uh, by the government, etc. If you asked them, do you think this is coming? He would have said, there's no way. We're too educated. We're too refined. We're too smart to allow anything like that to happen. And yet, what happened? That's exactly what happened. And they never, they never would have agreed to believe that that would have happened to them. But it happened. Uh, it can happen to any nation. Uh, there, there's, there is no nation that is too big that it cannot bring about its own failure, which is what we're doing. We're just we're working as hard as we can to to bring about our own failure. Yep. I hope we can resolve it peacefully. Well, uh, well, well. The only thing we can do is is to craft the plans and do the work. To avoid it, that's the only way. That's the only way. That's the only way that we're going to make this work. And that's what that's what I was talking about tonight. Is that uh, you know people uh, when I talk to folks about the Appleseed Project, about what we're trying to do, and about the way that it has to happen, that the the country is not going to be saved by the government. There is absolutely no way in Hades that the government is going to save this nation. They are the absolute reason we are in this position. So we can't say, let's leave it to uh, our government to bring us through these rough times and to set the uh, set our keel on the correct path to get us through this, because it's not going to happen, because they are the ones that have gotten us into this position. They've gone from... Uh, representatives of the people to more of a new royalty. Uh, they expect you to go to them on bended knee and beg a boon rather than uh, doing their job, which is to represent the the wishes, uh, the needs of the folks that they serve. So we can't depend on the government to do it, which means that we have to do it ourselves. That means that every person, every individual, has to shoulder the responsibility of restoring this, the restoring the the nation to its correct, its rightful position. But when you talk to folks about this, the the immediate response is, "Man, there is no way. I'm just one person. There there is no way I can do anything." And they're right. You know, they're absolutely right. As one person. They cannot do anything. They're, they're, you know, they're pretty much useless as one person. If that's the way they're thinking about it, that's the way they're going about it. But, but you are never just one person. Uh, the way to go about it is to get together, get yourselves and your neighbors together, and you work toward it as a group. And then the smaller groups uh, unite with larger groups. They make alliances with larger groups, and then those larger groups make alliances with even larger groups until we've got the framework uh, to, to put together or to, to push through our plans of safeguarding the rights and liberties, the freedoms 
that we enjoy by by virtue of living in, in this nation. And I'm not trying to be vague uh, about about this when I'm when I'm speaking about it. I'm not trying to speak about it in abstract or vague terms. What I'm saying is that uh, you can't have uh, there is no one set of of ideas that belong to the nation universally, uh, other than uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, and and even that has changed, or the the understanding of that has changed uh, in Americans who understand it as uh, life, liberty, and the being given happiness and being given stuff by the government. So there, there's no one uh, set of goals that every uh, that that every individual nation is universally happy with, but there are a lot of guidelines that we can go by, and and these have to be determined down at the uh, at the very bottom at the local level, and government is going to have to be. It's going to have to be taken control of at the lower level, at local government, uh, because that is where that's where everything occurs. Is locally, uh, national government is just uh, it's a kind of a it's a it's an abstract nef- nefarious uh, nebulous type organization. The the actual governing takes place on a local level, and that's where we have to work from. That's where we have to. Uh, we'll have to remake our current government by starting at the local level. Uh, and I get folks that, uh, and, and of course we always get the notion uh, that, uh, or we get the question that comes up. I even have a person asking me here on the in the chat asking me about uh, uh, sedition and uh, and deterrence and. Uh, and I'll, I'll repeat what I usually tell the folks, and that is that uh, that Appleseed is not a an organization of deterrence by arms, because the, the whole idea of that is pretty much ridiculous. Uh, even if we had a million uh, men under arms in Appleseed, <clears throat> the notion that we're going to change. Uh, the government by force of arms is is not uh, is not a very healthy one, nor is it a very realistic one, because uh, because our government, our nation, uh, has the most powerful military uh, in the world right now, and maybe not the largest, because China is uh, is is rapidly uh, moving past us as far as its size and stuff, but it certainly has one of the most powerful armies uh, in the world. And the government is not afraid of us as much as they yak about it. They're not afraid of us as an armed uh, deterrent. <clears throat> they could easily uh, stamp out uh, uh, the arms part of it. Where, where we have the real power and where the real fear is, is in our ability to remove uh, the current government members uh, and to remove or disassemble uh, sections of the government and uh, and the the different uh, government type organizations uh, 
by virtue of our vote, by virtue of our pen. That's where the real power lies, is is in our votes. And that's where it's always been. The congressmen and senators, they're not afraid of, of you and your buddies and your rifles. I mean, other than if you're making some kind of direct uh, threat to assassinate them or something, and that will get you put in prison quick. What they're afraid of is you and your buddies getting together and getting billboards and uh, everything else to tell uh, the, their uh, constituents what sorry dogs they are and voting them out of office, getting rid of their uh, their lifetime pensions, getting rid of their uh, their absolutely gold-plated health benefits or their golf junkets uh, and all the freebies that and power that comes with being uh, a senator or congressman or representative now. That's where that's where the real threat that we can put on them is, and that's where the real change can come from. Now, right now we're stuck in a horrible position, which is uh, brand A or brand B, and that's it. That's all we have. we got brand A or brand B, and I'm telling you, it's really hard to take a taste test of Drano and Comet and figure out which one is the, is the, the best one to serve with dinner tonight because they both stink. Uh, and the reason is because we let it get there. We let it happen. Because by the time, uh, right now, by the time, by the time that somebody gets to the position where it's a senator or congressman uh, or a presidential candidate, uh, you don't have any choices. The only way we're going to fix that is by working as hard as we can right now at the ground level uh, to put new candidates, to put new and different candidates into the pipeline so that when they come out the other end in uh, 10 years that uh, that we have much better choices. But while we're waiting for them to come out at the end of the pipeline in 10 years on a national level, we can be working at a local level to make immediate changes to our government, to make immediate changes uh, in the way that uh, the government is perceived. So that is what we should be working on right now. Well, I didn't mean to burn up your whole program. <laughs> well, you know, you're not because it, we, you helped me segue into uh, into the, the the real message of the show tonight, which is making change. <laughs> and you know, you can make that change. Like I said, you can make it in five minutes a night, right? If you really dedicated yourself to this, and it would only take five minutes, which is really uh, is about the time it takes to make a cup of coffee and drink it, right? Uh, you know, unless it's like morning coffee, that's where you grab the cup and you choke it down on your on your way. But uh, it only takes five minutes to really start making, uh, to really start having an effect uh, on uh, on your government locally and nationally. And by that, I, I and like I said, I'm not going to put a huge amount of faith in a lot of the current. Uh, representatives, other current government representatives. But like I said, the real power comes from uh, not from threats of violence, 
but uh, but threatening their feather beds. And uh, you can certainly do that by calling or writing to your representatives and letting them know what your needs are, what your concerns are, uh, because I like to give them the benefit of the doubt and just say that, uh, uh, well, maybe, maybe the reason they're doing such a horrible job is uh, because they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. So let me give them a call or let me uh, send them a letter and let them know, get them back on track and let them know what they're supposed to be doing, right? That's where that's the baseline that you start from because it's a lot easier to swallow the, the horrid condition if you look at it that way. But give them the benefit of that and say, you know what, they don't, the reason they're doing such a poor job is because they, they just don't, they just don't know that they're doing a bad job. So let me let me tell them that they are, and let me help them get started in the right direction. So you begin to call and write them and let them know. And when you give your your uh, representatives a call, you're not going to speak to them. They have a really good chance, unless you're talking about the, the lowest level, uh, city council uh, or some of your uh, uh your state reps or something like that, you might be able to speak to them, but but more than probably you're not. You're going to speak to their staff members. Now, very rarely do I ever speak to an actual representative. Uh, it's always the staff members because, and listen, I'll tell you this too, that in, in seven out of ten cases, you don't really want to speak to the representative because uh, a lot of times they're just a talking head, right? They they don't really know what's going on. They're they're kind of fed their their diet of what they're supposed to do by their staff members. The staff members are the folks that really usually have the power because they're the folks that are going to uh, inform the representative of what he needs to do uh, in order to make uh, things right for his job for his constituents. So you call up and you call up to the staff members and you do it enough times you get on a first name basis with them. And uh, I've told you guys before, a lot of folks say, hey, uh, why, would I, why would I even do that? Because what is my one phone call going to do? What is my one voice going to do? And the answer is, anytime you call or write to your representatives, you are no longer an individual, right? Uh, because of the fact that uh, so many uh, Americans – have become so apathetic or or lazy or or they've fallen under the, the, the spell of apathy where they say my, my one vote is no longer any good, therefore uh, I'm pulling myself out of the equation. The Nobody writes, nobody calls. So whenever you do call, your your voice is is no longer one voice. Your voice is now... Uh, representing uh, 100 of your fellow constituents or 1,000 or 5,000 or even 10,000 of your fellow constituents because that's how few people take the time to talk to their reps. So now you're no longer one voice. How do you think stuff gets pushed through the uh, uh, through uh, Congress all the time now by by small uh, minorities of individuals. When I say minorities, I'm not talking about race or color or anything. I'm talking about uh, by few in number. Why do you think such uh, uh, so, uh, so many things get pushed through 
by a minority of folks is because they become a vocal minority. Uh, they become a you know a, a a a group of folks that work hard to push something through, and they they contact their uh, reps and they badger them until they get something pushed through. Well, regular Americans can do the same thing uh, by getting together in large amounts and speaking to their senators and congressmen and letting them know what the right thing to do is, what needs to be done. And it only takes five minutes a day. You can uh, you can schedule it in for a coffee break at work. Uh, if you want to uh, to find out who to talk to, uh, Google uh, United States government and uh, or United States uh, representatives or United States senators or state senators or state reps, and it'll take you straight to the uh, the telephone number for you to call. And once you get past uh, like the city council. Uh, telephone numbers size. Uh, normally, there's always going to be a person on the other end of the line that picks up the phone and you talk to them. Uh, almost always. But very few times have I called uh, anything uh, higher than a state representative and died and did not get an immediate answer because that's what the staffers are there for. They're there to answer the phones and listen to the constituents, listen to their needs and stuff. So you uh, you pencil you in the time to call, you pencil you in the person to call. You take a few minutes uh, one day and you take a look at, the, at their voting record, what they're voting for, what they're voting against. You match that to what your needs and wants are for yourself, for your family, for your community, for your country. And you either call them and tell them thank you for what they're doing, because it's okay to call a senator and congressman and say thank you, okay? It's uh, it's no it's no different than uh, than 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 teaching any other uh, teaching your hunting dog, you know, to retrieve an animal or something. You know, it uh, brings the, the duck back and you pat on the head and you say thank you. It's the same thing with uh, with your representatives. If they're doing the right thing, then you pat them on the head and you say thank you. Please continue to do the fine job that you're doing. And by the way. Uh, we want to make sure that you understand that uh, voting for uh, uh, House bills such and such or, or voting for uh, XYZ or ABC, uh, I would like you to vote against that, and here's why. Or you don't even have to tell them why. You can just say, it's my wish that you vote against this. And this is not served by my family, my home, my community, my state, my nation. And let, you, let them know. Because here's what happens. Uh, as I said, they're getting ready to go to a vote, and uh, they'll ask uh, the staff members, what are the people saying? Well, and they'll have it. Maybe they'll have a constituency of 100,000 uh, folks. And they say, well, uh, 150 people have called in uh, against it, and uh, 95 people have called in for it. This is out of 100,000 people, all right? You've got uh, 300 people that are deciding the fate of of at least that part of the nation, 300 people out of 100,000 are deciding the fate of uh, of their fellow 999,000, uh, you know, 700 fellow uh, constituents. So your voice is important. Your voice is very important. It's important to let your representatives know 
what they should be doing, what they should be doing. Now, that might mean that you might have to take some time to look at uh, Representative uh, uh, ABC's record and see what he's been uh, doing while you weren't paying attention. See what he's been uh, pushing through, what she's been pushing through, and see what they haven't been doing. And and uh, maybe make a note to uh, to inform them that you're watching them and you're really unhappy with what they're doing because because what it has turned into in modern politics is not very few times you have uh, uh, reps that are like idealistic reps going out there and doing the job and making the hard decisions. Uh, even though it's not going to, even though it's going to get them uh, uh, voted out uh, in the next election, very few, very few folks do that anymore. They go in and they take polls and they find out uh, what's the easiest thing to do and what will get them reelected. And uh, you need to make sure that they know uh, that they know what your feelings are, what your needs are, and what your wants are. So it's up to you to do this. Now, at the same time, you have to make sure that whenever there are local elections, uh, that you cannot ignore them. And I'm not just talking about uh, uh, local political elections, but I'm talking about things like a school board and... uh, 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 the city council, uh, different elections uh, at the very lowest levels, because this is the place where this is like the politician's kindergarten, and uh, you have to make sure that the right kids are getting into school so that they can go through their their kindergarten and then go through their elementary and then high school and then college, and finally down at the other end of the tunnel they can end up as your senator and congressman. But they don't just magically appear out of nowhere. Uh, most uh, political beasts are just that. They're political beasts, and they got started down at the local level. So you have to monitor this and make sure that the raw material that's going into the local level is is what you want to see come out of the other end. You have to make sure that you're voting in your local elections and that you're uh, uh, participating in the local elections in order for you to get the product out the other end. Okay, got anything else to add to that, Clyde? Did I lose lose him? Uh, It looks like there's a... It looks like it's uh, the switchboard is cycling. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what's happening with that. <clears throat> uh, all right, now the rest of you guys, if you guys have, if you want to call in and uh, give me your uh, ideas of this, then uh, we'd be glad to have you. Three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. And if you've got some. Uh, some ideas or some tricks of the trade that you're using locally there in order to further the uh, 
further the goals of safeguarding the uh, the freedoms and liberties of our nation, then please call in. Don't keep them safe and secret. Call in so that we can spread them around. Let us know what you're doing. So if it's a good idea, then we maybe we want to do it too. Maybe we want to get on the on uh, on whatever uh, program that you're running, and uh, uh, and get the uh, get the benefits of it. So give us a call and uh, and let us know what you're doing. Three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Okay, now this just didn't just work with the government. All right, this works the same way with Appleseed. Now, what I mean by that is that you take your five minutes, uh, five minutes a day or five minutes an evening, and uh, and the reason I say that, that five minutes is because I'd like for you to get on a program of of setting yourself setting yourself a goal of five minutes per day, five minutes per day. That is uh, uh, 35 minutes a week, and uh, 35 minutes is really only uh, is really only coffee and a newspaper, uh, you know, at lunchtime. If you can spare 35 minutes a week, you can really help uh, to rocket ship this program along. And the way you do that, you take that five minutes, and you set yourself some targets. And uh, you can do it very easily. And, and 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 if you need any help, I'll be glad to help you with setting up a five minute, uh, five minute a day, a day program. Use the five minutes to contact uh, uh, someone locally. It can be a uh, radio station, a newspaper, a uh, a television station uh, to get the word out about Appleseed. It can be. Uh, uh, an email to the uh, local uh, homeschool group and uh, letting them know about the uh, Apple Tea Project. It can be, uh, uh, you can do the five minutes or even less, you can do like about two and a half minutes uh, during Sunday school uh, on a Sunday morning by saying, hey guys, listen, I want uh, real quick, I wanted to let you know about uh, a uh, program that is uh, running here locally in uh, wherever, you know, Atlanta, uh, Dallas, uh, wherever. And uh, and here's what they're doing. And and give your quick uh, elevator speech about the Appleseed Project. Let your fellow church members know about it. Uh, or uh, take five minutes one day at, a, uh, uh, at the office and uh, let uh, a couple of people at the office know about it. Now, and I know that uh, a lot of times folks don't want to do that. They don't want to uh, they find it hard to talk to somebody, but you got to get past that. you got to get past that. One of the best ways to do it is just to uh, just sit down and write out a little spiel, uh, just a little one-page document about why, you know, about what you think, uh, about what the Appleseed Project is doing and why you think it's a good idea. So you write it out. And then uh, you practice that, uh, practice that for a week or two. Uh, do it while you're driving in your car. Do it uh, uh, when you're in the morning when you're shaving. You know, give it your your practice and stuff like that, so that when you're ready to do it, you're not having to grasp for 
for the words to convey the ideas that you're trying to get across. You already have the words down. So that, that makes it a lot easier. Uh, take five minutes <clears throat> to uh, call into a radio station, a local radio station, and say, uh, and make, you know, make sure that it, uh, the way that you do this is that you uh, you listen to a uh, local talk show, a little radio, radio call-in talk show program, and uh, if it's one that uh, that uh, is compatible with the Appleseed message, you know, it's not going to be uh, uh, whatever it was, Radio Free America, or whatever the uh, the thing that uh, uh, the Baldwin fellow was doing. It's not going to be something like that, or the uh, 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 the NPR shows or something. They very seldom will will have work there. But find a radio station, the talk radio format, call in talk radio format that uh, has a compatible message, and listen to it for a while, and then uh, and learn the 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 ebb and flow, learn the title movements of the show and what they do, how they do it, and stuff like that. And then when they're talking about something, which which a a Conservative-type talk show we'll talk about quite frequently are things like the Founding Fathers or things like the Second Amendment and stuff like that, and uh, have their uh, telephone number on speed dial so that you just hit the speed dial, dial it in. You get a big, busy signal, you hang up, you keep doing it, and I guarantee you, you can get on any show in America by doing that, Uh, Kennedy, Rush, any of them. But you're more than like you're more likely to get on the air on a local show, right? And that's really where we want you to uh, we really want you to uh, to focus your efforts as locally, locally to you. And you call in, you get on the air, and you give that a little uh, uh, thirty to sixty second uh, apple seed. Uh, Spiel, and now your message is going out to uh, uh, however many listeners there are. I know that there's a, a radio station in Houston that I call in fairly regularly, and it goes out to uh, uh, almost a million people. Not all the time, but it goes out to almost a million people uh, every day. And uh, Okay, sorry. I was trying to type and talk at the same time, and we know what happens with that. Uh, so you can get in, you can get uh, from uh, five thousand to a million people just by making a just by taking your five minutes that you dedicated uh, to moving either Appleseed or the nation forward. And you don't, you can pick. Uh, it doesn't have to be. Uh, five minutes every day for apple seed, just apple seed, or five minutes every day for just uh, uh, our nation. Uh, you can, you know, mix and uh, match and and do f- uh, five minutes on uh, Monday for apple seed and five minutes on Tuesday uh, for the nation uh, or for your local government, etc. Uh, you can make this a very interesting project for you. And I'd love to hear from somebody who's doing it and and hear about about really how much bang they're getting for the five minutes a day. Uh, I mean, I'd love for somebody to 
to call it next week and say, hey, listen, I went on the five-minute-a-day uh, program, and here's what I got. Uh, I got this and this and this just from my five minutes a day, just the amount of time it takes me to drink a cup of coffee. Here's what I got for the nation. Here's what I got for Appleseed. I mean, I think that would be very interesting uh, and very important uh, very important to the nation. Uh, all right. Uh, I see that uh, I see that the call screener is putting in the uh, the blue feather dot biz hosting uh, website. I see that Thomas Clock is actually on the uh, is actually on the chat here tonight and. Tiles, I've been faithfully plugging you and Blue Feather's uh, soap every week. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be kind of curious to hear if it's done any good, if you guys have gotten any uh, uh, sales uh, from the uh, the Rifleman Radio Show, or if you even know about that or not, I don't know. But uh, we do plug you guys faithfully. So I guess... Uh, I guess me and the call screener are we're looking for some freebies now. Uh, we're looking for some kickback from under the table, kickback of a handmade soap for this. <laughs> anyway, I hope that you guys uh, and I told I mentioned to the folks earlier in the day that uh, that I love you and Blue Feather to death. You guys are the salt of the earth and some of the best folks that I've met out there uh, out west in New Mexico. And my best wishes for you guys. I hope that uh, I haven't heard anything really about. Uh, I think I heard some of the second hands from maybe from uh, Sam about uh, uh, how things went after y'all's move. Uh, but uh, I'd be glad to hear from you guys again. If you want to call in, uh, that would be great, too, to talk about uh, the New Mexico stuff and uh, uh, and to plug the soap, then uh, that would be great, too. Plus, I've got uh, – I'm working on a, a an apple seed – television series uh, and uh, the director uh, Michael Bain from Downrange TV has told me he would like to do it at the Whittington Center. It looks like your guys locale so uh, I guess I should uh, start talking to you guys about that because I imagine uh, I imagine we would run that through you guys. Anyway if you guys want to call in, it's three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Because I'd like to hear about, uh, I would like to hear about, or about what you guys are doing, what you're doing locally, and what effects it's having. Because, like I said, maybe we want to do that too. And I would like to hear somebody uh, talk about uh, about taking on the the uh, the challenge of five minutes. Uh, five minutes uh, a day uh, taking the challenge of taking five minutes a day to uh, to safeguard your nation's liberties and uh, we've talked about before about uh, the fact that uh, it's pretty easy to see right now it's pretty easy to see the danger that we're in however it's not as obvious as as a guy riding by on a horse yelling the regulars are out and then seeing a long line of uh, 
home. All right, that's a very easy, very understandable threat. And uh, and the solutions to it are rather easy and obvious too, right? Uh, you can't uh, you can't vote them away. Uh, you can't uh, you can't try and uh, and conserve them away, like by using less paper or or using less uh, plastic stuff. Uh, you can't uh, legislate them. Uh, out of the way, they're they're coming. And there's really only one option. That is, you're going to have to decide whether you're going to take off running like hell, heading for the hills, or if you're going to grab your musket and you're going to assemble on the green with Captain Parker and the rest of the guys. Now, so that's a fairly easy decision to make, right? With the threat that we face today being a much more nebulous type threat, it's a lot harder to get the focus attached to it. However, the threat is just as dangerous. The the threat of having no food to feed your children or having no clean water to drink or having no medical or not even having a home. Because like I said earlier, if you if we go into if we if we go into a financial type uh, depression, if everybody gets sick of us uh spending trillions and trillions of dollars that we don't have and the country just collapses, which it will, it will, then the bank isn't going to care if you don't have a job or no money. They're going to come and take your home. You're going to be living out of your car in a or, or in a patch of woods in a tar paper shack just like they were in the 30s. But it's a lot harder threat to see from this distance, it's just as evil a one, just as dangerous a one, but it's a lot harder to see right now, and it's a lot easier to say, yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, something needs to be done about that, and then put a period on the end of that sentence, and that's the end of what gets done. You've just done it. You've just done everything you're going to do. You just said something needs to be done about that, period, end of sentence. And that's it. That's it. That's all you're going to do. And you can't do that. You can't do that because I can guarantee, almost positively guarantee you that if that's what you do and that's, that is what everybody else does, then our situation is almost guaranteed to get very, very nasty, very ugly. And... Like I said earlier with uh, uh, with Moses, maybe if I was still 16 and just and listen, I'm not a whole lot smarter, but I'm, I am a bit smarter than I was when I was a stupid 16 year old. Well, the 16 year old, I'd probably say, "Oh man, this is great, man. I'm going to be this is going to be a big adventure. I'm going to defend my my little plot of land with my rifles and stuff, and it's going to be like the old west and." It's going to be an exciting adventure. Listen, it's not. It's not. It's going to be the most horrific thing in the history of this nation. You're, you're, you're going to, to rue every single day that you allowed it to get to that uh, to get to that situation. Your children are going to rue it. Your children's children are going to rue the fact that you did nothing. And I'm going to explain it to them. 
Because they're going to say, hey, Pop, how did this happen? You know, they're, they're just little kids. When this happens, they're going to say, hey, listen, how did this happen? And you're going to have to invent some story that covers your butt on this. Because at the end of the day, if you're 100% truthful with them, you're going to have to say, you know what, son, daughter, I, I, I did it. I did this. I allowed it to happen. It happened on my watch. I allowed it to happen. Because when I had a chance to do something, instead of actually doing something, I said, yeah, you know, something's going to have to be done, period, end of sentence, end of obligation and responsibility. And I don't think you're going to want to have to tell them that. Uh, I know I'm not. Uh, and uh, and like I said, I think we're in a I think we're in a race. I think we're in a very very serious race to get something done in time before before we are swept past the last place uh, to to, uh, to get out of the river. All right? So the five minutes, uh, the five minutes a day is really a very small amount of time uh, to to put towards this, I guarantee you, the folks, if you went back to the folks in 1775 and you go, look, guys, here's the deal. <clears throat> you can, uh, and I'm not saying that this was, uh, this would have worked for them because it wouldn't have, but uh, if it would have worked for them, if you would have said, look, here's the deal. <clears throat> you guys can, uh, <clears throat> you can either uh, gather out on the green with Parker uh, and the rest of the guys and uh you can uh you can engage in armed combat with the British regulars who are a uh, a ferocious group of professional soldiers and you can take the the chance of being uh shot and wounded uh with uh with no antibiotics, no pain medication uh no life flight uh uh no insurance uh no one to take care of your family etc uh you could take these chances and enter into a, a long an eight year long bloody horrible war that uh that per capita was one of the most uh uh dangerous wars that Americans have participated in as far as uh, killed or injured uh, versus the number of people. Uh, living in the nation, or you can take five minutes a day, and uh, you can devote that five minutes toward uh, toward working on safeguarding your freedoms and liberties, uh, and you don't have to face the the bloodshed and stuff like that. What do you think they would have said? And I guarantee I know what they would have said. They would have said, uh, "Here, boy, bring me my pen and ink and uh, some parchment." Because because only a fool 
wants to face the alternative. Uh, only a fool wants to face the horrors that uh, that would be brought about by uh, by the eventualities that we face. <clears throat> so <clears throat> let me check the let me check the the queue here. All right, uh, like I said, if you want to give us, uh, if you want to call in, you are welcome to call in 347-308-8790, 347-308-8790. And just like uh, the call screener said, we've got, uh, I think, 46 lines free. And uh, so there's plenty of room for you. If you want to call in and uh, and give me uh, uh your what you're doing or what you think will work or uh or your declaration that you're going to uh, commit five minutes a day toward uh, safeguarding the rights and freedoms of your nation and toward pushing the Appleseed project uh, ahead then I'd, I'm willing to hear that too if you want to say thanks to one of your local guys I'll listen to that if you want to uh, uh to put uh uh, uh, put any commercial ventures out. I'll listen to that, and uh, we'd love to hear that. And if you want to uh, uh, to call and just give us an update on how things are going in your uh, in your local area, we'll listen to that. So three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero, and uh, and let me say that. Uh, I guess what I what I'd like to do is to put together a uh, put together some type of a uh, some type of a document somehow. Maybe I can set up a uh, uh, a quick. You know what I could do? I could set up a blog, a quick blog on this, and have. Uh, and have a a lot of the ways that uh that you can access uh newspapers radio stations uh television stuff like that uh, a quick uh uh step by step guide on how you can do that and uh have it available so that you can access it online uh the same thing with uh with getting uh, a very simple thing you do it only takes five minutes or so is getting uh an event get your local event. Uh, listed in your local community calendars. Uh, anytime you can do something like that, then you've got a, a force multiplier. Because what happens is uh, you put that uh, you put that document on on the community calendar, and listen, it it's a hard worker. It uh, it does not eat. It does not sleep. It works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Anytime anybody clicks on that community calendar, bang, there it is, Appleseed. You don't have to uh you don't have to talk to anybody. Uh you don't have to uh, to do anything. It's already there. Somebody's looking for something to do, bang, community calendar, there it is. And there are uh, there are twenty five community calendars uh for every square mile of uh, uh of earth on the planet there. So there are plenty of opportunities 
for you to get uh, uh, Appleseed events, uh, the word on Appleseed out by putting in a community calendar. And once you do, like I said, it works 24 hours a day. And uh, and it's very easy to do. It doesn't take more than five minutes. Just Google wherever you are. Like if you're in Atlanta or if, if I'm in Dallas-Fort Worth, I just Google Dallas-Fort Worth community calendars, and I'll get who knows how many tens of thousands of results. I grab one, I click on it, and uh, and if it looks worthwhile, then uh, I click on the Submit an Event button, and I begin the process of submitting the uh, Appleseed event. And if you need some uh, hard copy to submit, give me a call or, or, or shoot me a PM. I'll be glad to supply it for you. Uh, you can get it done in five minutes. Bang, you hit submit. Either they take it or they don't. Either it goes on or it doesn't. All you, wait, all you, all you used was five minutes of your time. And once you do that, once you've got it submitted and on there, like I said, it's working 24 hours a day for you. It's a hard-working device. And uh, uh, so, so don't uh, don't think that uh, that just five minutes isn't going to do anything. And uh, and uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll talk some more about the the ways. Uh, uh, ways to promote uh, the ways that uh, are fairly easy to promote. We'll talk more about them. Uh, I'll probably schedule like a uh, maybe a 15-minute section uh, into the uh, the show that's coming next week. Uh, let me say, let everybody know that uh, that Battle Road USA, and that's uh, the company that I just started with uh, uh, with uh, my buddy. Uh, Mark Martinez, uh, also one on the forum, and uh, we're having a uh, level one, level two handgun uh, class on July 21st, 22nd, <laughs> and this is not a, uh, believe me, level one is not a baby course, guys. Uh, level one is uh, really intense, and level two is even better, and uh, uh, we'd love to have you guys attend for more information, go to battleroadusa.com. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, for calling in. I know I tried to get old guy's mic to open back up, but there's some kind of glitch on the uh, on the switchboard. Instead of it, instead of it doing anything, I'm asking it to do. For refusing to submit to my authority. It's just got that little spinning circle going on there. I want to thank the call screener. Uh, like I said, you guys, he's here every week, just as I am. He's about just as much time uh, as I am. He's here every week, and, and I couldn't do the show uh, successfully the way that I do it without him. And uh, and he's just a damn fine fellow to boot. Uh, I want to thank... Uh, uh, old guy for calling in, Mosin for calling in, uh, Ed for calling in and uh, and uh, coming on when I talk. And I want to thank Justin for for listening on air. I want to thank all the folks in the chat room uh, for tuning in the show and then uh, uh, for uh, for helping out in the chat room for answering questions and stuff like that. That's uh, let me give a quick rundown. Uh, well, anyway, thanks to all of them. They're going to cut us off in just a couple of seconds. 
listen, God uh, bless and keep you all. We'll see you uh, this uh, next Thursday night, 7 p.m. Central. Uh, until then, take care, be safe, and watch your six. Good night, everybody.
Freedom! 